Good morning. So as Ailey mentioned, good, good morning. Um, as Ailey said, this week, we as a family, as a church, we enter into a season of Advent. And I am so excited to share this message with you guys this morning. Because this morning we're talking about love. And you can't talk about the birth of Jesus without talking about love. And the Bible, at its very core, it is a story about love, a story about God's promise of love to his children. Um, the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is probably the favorite translation in our house right now with littles, <laughs> it says it like this. It says, the Bible is a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the ones he loves, and takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there is a baby. And every story in the Bible whispers his name. When we understand this, that the whole Bible is a story of love and that every story in the Bible points to Jesus, it informs everything that we do. And so this morning, we are going to take a look at the story of Mary and Joseph leading up to the birth of Jesus and how what they know about the love of God informs some very difficult decisions they are faced with making. I'm going to start with Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth, and he called his name Jesus. And before we dig into this, let's pray. Holy Spirit, come, we welcome you, we invite you into this place to direct our hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Help us to understand the weight of your love and of your sacrifice. And let the words that I speak, let them be your words, not my words. May they boldly proclaim the mystery of your gospel and they always point us to your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay. As many of you guys know, my husband and I, we have two small children, two girls. We have Violet, who is three and a half, and Ruby, who is one and a half. And both of our daughters were born at home. And that was intentional. That was not an accident. We actually planned to have them at home. But what we didn't plan for was our oldest daughter, Violet, being born while our midwife was speeding down 95, 15 minutes from our house. Right? And so when your midwife is not there to catch your baby, you settle for the next best thing your husband, right? True story. Uh-huh. Uh, right, so this is our first baby. We, you know, you don't know what you don't know. We had no idea that things had progressed as quickly as they had. And so when I looked at Kevin and I was like, I think it's time to push, we were both really surprised. And so he called her midwife and she asked a couple questions and confirmed that actually, yes, it was time. Uh, and she said, Put me on speakerphone and do exactly what I say. 
Uh, our midwife is a dear friend of mine. I've known her for almost 15 years. She is someone that I love and that I trust and that I have a relationship with. And so in that moment, we had a choice to make, right? We either put her on speakerphone and do what she says, or we just forego her experience and her knowledge and just kind of wing it. Figure we can do this ourselves, right? No, no, we don't do that at all. We put her on speakerphone and we did exactly what she told us to do. And it was not the way that we had planned it, right? But it was beautiful. And at the end, we had this perfect little baby. And so, like in my story, Mary and Joseph, they find out that they're having a baby. And it's just not exactly how or exactly when they pictured uh, starting their family. And they also, they have a choice, right? Do they love, do they trust, ooh, they do have a choice, okay. (laughs) Do they trust the God that they know, or do they go out and do it on their own? So let's take a look at this passage. Starting with the scripture, what it clearly tells us about Joseph and Mary, starting with Joseph. And so right off the bat, we know a couple crucial things about Joseph. He's betrothed to a woman named Mary, who is pregnant, but not by him. And we know that that Joseph is a decent guy. The message translation describes him as being chagrined, but noble. I like that. And we know that Joseph has made a decision to quietly divorce Mary. And just so that we understand, betrothal was a legally binding agreement. This is different from modern engagement, okay? Mary was already considered his lawful wife. The scripture refers to Joseph as her husband. And so therefore, a legal divorce was required to break the betrothal. And according to Jewish law, adultery was grounds for divorce. And so Joseph was in his full right to divorce Mary. But, right? The scripture says, but, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So what things, like what things do we think that Jesus or Joseph was considering? Hmm? I mean, Mary, probably to start with, (laughs) like what happened, who it happened with, the coming divorce, um, what was going to happen to him once everybody found out what Mary had done, right? What was going to happen to her or to the baby? No doubt Joseph He was feeling a range of emotions, right? Surprise, betrayal, anger, shame. Joseph, he goes to sleep one night, having determined to divorce Mary. And over the course of a dream, he learns that not only is Mary still a virgin and has not been unfaithful to him, but that the baby she is carrying has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And on top of that, this baby, whom he is to call Jesus, will save the people from their sins and fulfill the Old Testament prophecy of God incarnate. Talk about a paradigm shift, right? I mean, if Joseph thought he had some things to consider before, he really has some things to consider now. And he has a choice to make, again. The angel says, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. And that would indicate that there was fear wrapped up in his decision to divorce her. But who uses fear to motivate us? Not God, right? 1 John 4, 18 says, But perfect love drives out fear. In the midst of fear and uncertainty, Joseph chooses to obey. He chooses to take Mary as his wife and to adopt the baby. 
And so Mary, what does Mary do, right? We know from Luke 1, 26 through 38, and I'm going to paraphrase this here. We know a few things about her, too. That she is also visited by an angel of the Lord, who tells her pretty similar things to what Joseph learns. So, you know, he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He goes on to tell her that she will have a child conceived of the Holy Spirit, that his name will be Jesus, he will be called the Son of the Most High, and that he will be given the throne of David, and he will reign a kingdom that has no end. It is, is really important to note here that the angel comes to visit Mary before she is pregnant. Like Joseph, Mary has a choice. Because with God, we always have a choice. It is free will. We choose to follow him or don't. He gives us that freedom. And so what are Mary's choices? Well, she could just say no, right? Thank you, angel of the Lord, very flattering, but no thanks. Right? Okay. Or she could try to negotiate with God, you know, kind of, well, okay, I'll carry your son if, you know. Or she could just run away. I mean, she could just peace out and flee into the desert and disappear. And she would not be the first person in the Bible to do this, right? The stakes for Mary, they are very high. I think... We read this story so much, you know, it gets a little familiar, right? But we need to remember that in that culture, in that time, the punishment for adultery, it was severe. Um, Leviticus law, basically, the punishment is death, right? If it was found out that Joseph wasn't her, the father, it would have brought great shame to her father's house. She could have been stripped of her rights and publicly executed, And so, in light of all that, what does Mary decide to do? Luke 1.38 says, and, behold, and Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In the midst of fear and uncertainty, Mary chooses to obey. She chooses to risk. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is Why? Right? Why? Considering, considering all the risks, why do they choose to obey, to stick it out? A totally reasonable answer would be that if God shows up and he tells you to do something, you do it, right? Right? Maybe. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we do that. You know, I don't know depending on what it is, how scary it is, if we have enough time, right? No, I mean, the Bible is full of example of God's people saying no to him. Jonah? God clearly tells Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach repentance. And what does Jonah do? He, he literally says he gets up and he flees in the other direction. He flees from the presence of God. Moses? Moses, right? When God tells him to go to Egypt and to bring his people out of slavery, he begs after, you know, this much, Heman and Han, right? Please, oh my Lord, please send someone else. No, 
Mary and Joseph, they don't obey for the sake of obedience. They obey because God loves them and they know it. They trust in his love because if they didn't, it would just be too risky. And there is too much to lose. Everything is at stake for them. John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. It is out of love. They obey regardless of what it might cost them. And for Mary, that means her life. Listen, this, this is not a love story between Mary and Joseph. It has always been a love story between God and his children, between God and us. And so how do we know, right? How do we know when the rubber hits the road that he is worth the risk, that we can trust his love? Because he does. He asks us to trust. He asks us to risk. It's Jesus. The answer, it is always Jesus. Isaiah 53, 5 through 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Mary, Mary didn't have to die to fulfill the punishment of the law. Because Jesus died for her. He was publicly executed. He was stripped of his rights. He was abandoned by his father in his greatest hour of need. And Joseph, he didn't have to carry the shame of a husband betrayed by his wife because Jesus carried that shame for him. He carried it to the cross. He carried our shame to the cross. Where Jesus, like everyone else in this story, he has a choice to make. And unlike Jonah, he does not run away from God. He doesn't flee from his presence. He is steadfast, even though it has cost him everything. This is the gospel, right? This is the reason for the season. This is why we celebrate. This is why we rejoice. Because Jesus is God's answer to Moses' prayer in the desert. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Moses freed the Israelites from Egypt, but he could never free their hearts from slavery. Only Jesus can do that. His birth, his life, his death, and his sacrifice And only Jesus can reconcile our wandering hearts to God. Every story whispers his name. Every story whispers his name. You know, I said in the beginning that what Mary and Joseph know about the love of God informs everything that they do, and it is the same for us, right? I loved that scripture that Aunt Lee read when he was opening worship, right? First John 4, this is 10. It says, 
And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. Right? We believe this, right? We know this. This is foundational, fundamental. Oh, but sometimes we struggle. Sometimes I struggle. I believe, but oh Lord, help my unbelief. Right? And so today, as we enter into this season of Advent, this season where we prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus, Advent, it literally means coming. That's what we're preparing ourselves for, right? We have a choice. We have a choice to make. Do we trust him? Do we trust his love enough to obey? Let's stand. Jesus, we just pour our hearts out to you. And we rejoice and we sacrifice that you have reconciled our hearts to God and that only you could do that. And we ask ourselves that question, right? This is not a trick question. Do you love him? Do you, love, do you trust his love? Can you obey? This isn't a trick question because sometimes the answer is yes and sometimes the answer is no, right? But at this point of the service, we make room Right to present this to God, to present our hearts to God, for him to respond to us. And so today, as you prepare, as you walk into the season of Christmas where there are so many voices shouting at you, open your hearts to listen to his whisper, right? And we're just going to take a minute just to wait, just to wait and to listen to what God has for us.